I got some good stuff for you tonight. Um, this is kind of part of my testimony in a way, but I gave you guys a bit of bit of it. It's, there's too much to go through. I'm not trying to go through it all. But I want to take you through the spiritual side. Now that I've gotten saved, there's a, you know, I just dug into the word and there was some, um, some things that popped out that I had to, uh, that always caught me, you know, they caught me off. So with, with my parents, the way as messed up as we all were, on my mom's side was all Mormons. And on my stepdad's side was all Jehovah's Witnesses. And my dad was an atheist. So I didn't grow up with church. I don't know you church folks. You guys don't make no sense to me. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, but not really. Um, anyway. <clears throat> in any case, uh, so I didn't know church. I had to learn church in church. You know, so, uh, which was very hard you know, because going from no culture to culture was kind of weird. Um, but only through the Holy Spirit was I able to get the sense of family. You know what I mean? And, and being, growing up the way I did, it didn't take much to, to gather up family. You know, to make family out of the people who were around me. And then I find a scripture where Jesus says, you know, those who do the will of God are my mother, my brother, and sisters. And I don't think you know that verse alone breaks the power of an orphan spirit. And he is the father to the fatherless. So I'm going to show you guys some interesting scriptures. And I'm going to kind of go through two sides. You know, I, I was talking to Jeremy earlier today about my dad. You know, my dad was, oh, I don't believe in none of that stuff. But whenever I would get go to a church or whatever, he always made sure I had money for offering, <laughs> which I always I thought was weird. You know, before I would leave the door, he would made sure I had money for offering. You can't go empty handed, he said. You know, he never talked about church, but I found out later that he was raised Pentecostal. So, but he, stuff that obviously happened to him were... He didn't want nothing to do with it and all that good stuff, which I know very little about. I know bits and pieces, but none of it. It's all hearsay. So I want to take you through Matthew 24. And Matthew 24 is the all to. It's, it's everything you need to know about where we stand right now, I think. Um, there's just a lot of good stuff that Jesus headed off at the path. He put it into stuff before it even happened in that one chapter. And I'm going to show you how he did it. So you go through Matthew chapter 20, uh, 24, verse 26. And shout an amen when you're there. Amen. All right. So he said, if therefore I say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in, in the inner rooms, do not believe. For as the lightning comes from the east is to the west, so also will be the Son of Man. For the, wherever the carcass is, there are the eagles to be gathered together. He says, look, he is in the desert, 
do not go out. Look, he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. Now, the whole purpose, the whole foundation of Mormonism is that an angel of light appeared, supposedly Christ, appeared to uh, Joseph Smith and gave him another gospel. Okay, so we know he already said, you know, behold, I'm not there. Don't believe it. So their claim, their whole foundation is based on that Jesus came to them or it was Joseph Smith with, with the gospel, to give the gospel to them. <clears throat> but wait, didn't he just say, no? No, he said, do not go out, do not believe it. So for me, that kind of shuts them down right there. It shuts down their whole system at the root. So the root of this system is destroyed by something that Jesus said 2,000 years before they came to pass. Okay, so, you know, I got my mom's side, you know, how do you, you know, deal with that? I, I really didn't. I just agreed on Jesus, and that's all you really can do. You know, because we had the, the unspoken rule, you don't talk about politics, religion, or money. You know, I mean, as long as you did that, everybody was fine. So, Jesus doesn't shut that down. So, let's go ahead and go to Galatians. What does Galatians say? Galatians 1.8. He said, But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you, than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. What scripture was that again? That is Galatians 1.8. I'll read it again. Galatians? Uh, New King James. Uh, sorry, that's the Bible he gave to me. So y'all King Jamers out there, I'm looking at you too. You know. Y'all King James uh, was at uh, Puritans. <laughs> I got to go with what the Lord gave me. So, But I love the King James. Speaks to me more than any other one. Amen. Amen. So I'll read that again. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and now say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have received, let him be accursed. So their whole foundation is Jesus came to Joseph Smith in United States and gave him the gospel, which is obviously another gospel. So there's twofold uh, problems right there, right? I mean, that's just, to me, that shuts them down. Uh, where as a young believer, not being raised in church, I was totally dependent on the Lord to to lead me to where he wanted me to be. I was telling Jeremy earlier that, you know, when when I was growing up, whenever I went to the Latter-day Saints as a kid, I would go in, sit down with grandma and mom and pass out. Just knock clean out and I wouldn't wake up until it was time to leave. So that happened a lot wherever I went. I just, wherever church I was at, man, I'd just knock clean out and, and not be, you know, I'd know where I was at until... 
wake up, hey, it's time to go. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Same way with the, with the Kingdom Hall. Whenever I went there, you know, it was like as soon as my seat, my butt hit the seat, out cold. <laughs> Knocked out until now the next day I'm getting, you know, bumped into, hey, it's time to go. It's over. So that happened a lot as a kid. You know, whenever I was part of either side or even Pentecostal, the Lord just shut me down. And the only reason why I say it was the Lord is because it wasn't until after I got saved that he revealed to me that he was there in the beginning. Otherwise, I would have been just bored. But even when I was like with Sunday school and kids and you know, other kids, as soon as I would sit down, <clears throat> gone. I just, I'd be waking up with a puddle of drool on the table. So, in any case, so for me, that, that knocks out their system. And the Lord revealed to me in His Word. So, what am I to do with that? You know, I mean, it's, this is a system that my mom's side expected me to go into. But I, now that I've trusted Jesus with my life, He's already showing me stuff. And as a young kid, I really didn't know what to do with this. So old dad, it was funny because, you know, old dad would, you know, my real dad would, uh, he would have, you know, mockingly he would watch like TV evangelists and, you know, be like, oh yeah, let's raise our hands. Let's worship the Lord. You know, just kind of mockingly. But I'm thinking, where did he learn that? You know what I mean? In order to, to just lift up your hands, that's not something that you just do. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's something he had to have learned somewhere. So the Lord's revealing all this stuff to me as a kid. You know, as I after I gotten saved and stuff started becoming more real. I didn't deal with my mom's side of the family too much, so I only have those two scriptures for the Mormons. But for me, those two are all I need to not go down that path. Now I'm not picking on them. I'm not picking on the Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm not I'm not here to battle that. I'm just saying that based on what I see according to the word, which even says in their word, they must have a veil or something. They, they must not be awakened to the truth where they don't see what I'm seeing, reading the same book. I'm thinking. But their book's different. It's got different stuff. It's got some different stuff. Same way with the One World Translation, or New World Translation. It's, there's a lot of remixes in there, you know, where Jesus is taken out and Jehovah is put in, in, this, in this place. So now I'm going to get on to my stepdad side here. There's a lot more I have on that. So let's go to Matthew, back to Matthew 24. Excuse me, the chicken was good. And that'd be verse 36. So now, but on that day, on the hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so will also be the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, just in that verse alone, 
But on that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Uh, has anybody heard of a man named C.J. Russell? That is the founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses, or the Watchtower. He did his claim to fame by predicting when Christ was going to return. So, but wait. Where does he get this? How does he even get that? When the, when the word right, written way before him even said that. He said, no man knows the time nor the hour, so how is he getting it inside his head that he knows when Jesus is coming? And then had the nerve to say, well, maybe I got it wrong. It's this date. And then kept doing it over and over again. I think it wasn't until like late 80s. Yeah. You know, it was the last one that they tried to predict when, you know, when it was going to be. And it was, I remember that day, everybody was like, nothing's happening. What's going on? Well, no, it ain't going to happen that day because everybody was ready for it. Jesus said it's gonna, he's going to be like a thief in the night. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't, <laughs> so I don't know, man. That's, that's kind of wild to me. Where you know, Right out of the gate, their whole foundation is unraveled by one scripture in Matthew 24. So growing up with these guys, I dealt with them a lot more. And I always, always had good questions for them. You know, and it wasn't because I knew better. It was just because I wanted to know what was in their head. Yeah. You know, so let's go to Revelation 7. I love Revelations. Revelations is the first book that I ever read in the Bible. And it literally scared the hell out of me, to say the least. And, and it was like, you know, after receiving the Lord and that being the first book that I had read, it was like, as I was reading it, I could see it. I could see what I was reading as if it were alive. Where before, every time I tried to read a Bible, it was literally like I would look at it and words would just scramble. You know, like the letters would just start jumping around and moving around. I, I could not make any sense or sentence or word out of what was in that book. It was locked. You know, and it was, I'll never forget that day when I opened this up and read Revelations. And it was unlocked for the first time and it, it blew my mind. I was actually pretty messed up for like a week. You know what I mean? To where it was just, and that was ultimately what led me. When I read this book, I was living in the house of the people that were my guardians that I basically sold myself to for meth. And when I was 17, and when this happened, I had read this book. It was in that moment when I had that vision where the, uh, the trumpet call and everybody was being raised up except me. And I heard the Lord say, you're dead in your sins. When I snapped out of that, you know, I, I got on my knees and I cried out to God, say, Lord, save me. Get me out of here. And I went homeless you know, after that because that next day I was gone. Never went back. I'm sorry. I did go back one time. I went back one time and the the... The weight was so heavy that I couldn't stand it. And I was like, I was there for like five minutes. It was like, I gotta go. I'm out. <laughs> you know, I just, I couldn't take it. It was a complete irritation. So, 
So, you know, so be, this being the first book, I'll never forget that awakening that I got. Or what would they call that? Like a, a quickening in the spirit? Would that be a better? Yeah. Kind of the same thing where this is just. Yeah, I was made alive in that moment. That was great. Love that stuff. But, you know, right out of the gate, it says you're blessed if you open this book. And I knew I was blessed at that moment. So, so let's see. Where am I at? Okay. So chapter 7, verse 1. After these things, I saw four angels standing in the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, and yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada. I'm kind of skipping ahead to find out. Yada, yada. Yeah. And then, do not harm those, or it says, do not hurt the servants of God on their foreheads. We're going towards verse 4. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, and it was 144,000, and all the, tri the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. The tribe of Judah, 12,000. The tri tribe of Reuben, 12,000. I don't know what happened to the tribe of Dan. Maybe we're here. Where's Dan? What? what? <laughs> the tribe of Gad, Asher, you get the picture. All 12 of these tribes were the, was the 12,000 each, which was the 144,000 that were sealed. Those are his people. So the Jehovah's Witnesses claim, now this is stuff they would tell me, that only 144,000 are getting to heaven. Where is everybody else going? Yeah. That was their whole... You know, opener. You know, it's like 144,000, only 100. And he was, that's when they would preach the new earth. You know, which that's going to happen too, but not like the way they think. But I'm saying, but wait, that's the 12 tribes of Israel, right? But let's go to verse 9. The very, it's like they, they read that and stopped. That's it. That's it. And it says, after, this is what blew my mind. After these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no number of nations, no, no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. And the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worship God. A number no one could count. That has nothing to do with the, the 12 tribes. So it's like, so I remember having this argument. with, Like, wait a minute. 144,000. Did you read the rest of the chapter? I mean, all you got to do is just keep reading. You know, it's, it's right there. So even in their Bible, it's there. So it's like, where would they get that? You know, it made no sense to me. So they don't believe that Jesus is God. They don't believe that in order to have the Father, you've got to have the Son. In order to have the Son, you have to have the Father. The disciples said, you know, hey, Lord, show us the Father. And he said, I've been with you all this time. <laughs> You're seeing him. You're seeing the Father. Because they are one. They don't believe that. So immediately that takes me to a place where you don't, you don't see something. It had to have been something somewhere that happened where I knew there was a line I couldn't cross. 
You know, just in my heart, I knew there was there was just a certain line I couldn't cross, and uh, and taking and taking the deity away from Christ, that was one of them. In fact, there was a band that I really liked and loved at the time. It was called Deicide, a really death uh, satanic death metal band. And when I found out what Deicide meant, even before I got saved, I was like. Ugh. I can't, I can't do that. Same way with uh, one of my other favorite brands called Morbid Angel that had a song called Blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. And I had no idea what they were saying. But when I found out, I can't touch that. That's just, even before I got saved, there was like that line. It was like, I knew better. Written on your heart. It's written on my heart, man. And I wasn't willing to, to go that far. But in any case, forget where I was going with that but anyway the I totally forgot where I was going with that so I'll go back to where I was but to me I I struggled with with what they were telling me because these guys would come to my house all the time for my stepdad you know what I mean because they knew my grandmother they knew, you know, the whole family because my my girl, my stepdad's mom, was the strong Jehovah's Witness, you know, and the whole family. They were all raised Jehovah's Witnesses. My stepdad, all of them, and they never got birthdays. They never got Christmas, and all of them were bitter because they didn't get no birthdays <laughs> or Christmas or Thanksgiving or Fourth of July. You know, none of it. So. In any case. So, oh, I know where I was going with that. Jesus, they said, Jesus, show us the Father. And he's the Father. He said, you're looking at him, basically. I'm paraphrasing. So let's go ahead and go to Revelations 1. 1 8. And this is the one that they can't they can't get around that I think that kind of nullifies that whole Jesus the Father and the Holy Spirit is just some active force he's not a person but all throughout the Old Testament the Holy Spirit says the Holy Spirit says yeah. if he's not a person how is he saying anything the Holy Spirit says one of the places where he said was they shall not find rest to the children of Israel in the wilderness. The Holy Spirit says, He convicts the world of sin. How can He convict the world of sin if He's just some like molecule? <laughs> Any case. So, anyway. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and is to come, the Almighty. So how can he be who is and who was and is to come without being the Father? <laughs> See, here's another good one. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. 
He's the first and the last. So, therefore, to back that up, let's go to John. John chapter 1. John chapter 1 totally kills their whole idea of, of Jesus being created later on. Uh, you know, because they believe that he was created separate and was sent to die for our sins, but he wasn't God. He wasn't the Father. But he says here, in the beginning was the Word. Amen. And the Word was with God. And the Word Okay, so that's a roundabout way of saying <laughs> he is God. <laughs> okay, so it gets even better. What is, what is his name in Hebrew? You got, you got Yeshua. But what was the name they called him when he was born? What was the name in Isaiah that he was to be called? Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean in Hebrew? God with us. So his very name says who he is and what he is. He was and is to come. He is the word. And he was in the beginning with God, all things made through him, and without him nothing was that was made. In him was life, and the life was in the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness comprehends it not. And that's why they can't see it. And the word, which was God, became flesh and dwelled among us. We beheld his glory. This is 14. We beheld, his, we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, to me, that just... C.J. Russell's claim to fame was predicting when Christ's return. I always had a problem with that. One, one faithful season, the Lord took me on a journey through the Old Testament. And the Old Testament was as, as just as much needed now as ever because it explains the heart of God, the character of God, and who He is. You get to see, because He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So... The way he responds in there is also the way he responds with us. That's why I took you through Micah, which says he desires mercy. Because he desired mercy back then too. So you can't have one without the other. It's actually just one complete testament. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love what old Jeremy would tell me or tell us. Where the Old Testament is Christ concealed, the New Testament is Christ revealed. Amen. It's one of the wonderful statements that that kind of rocked me a little bit when I heard that. Because I was like, dude, that's brilliant. Because <laughs> that's what it is. I told him to it. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. And I told him. 
Wow. Well, who told you? <laughs> That's a joy. So, I think I'm going to start with Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 22. In this verse, it says, When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if that thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken, and the prophet has spoken presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So, their whole foundation, their beginning to claim to fame was when Jesus was going to return. Didn't happen, that cuts them out. So for me, that's it for them. I don't need to hear anything else they say. Just based on that alone, I don't have to listen to nothing. I don't have to be afraid of them. I don't have to deal with them. Because that's a false system. You know, I can go into their doctrine and all that other stuff. But no, I don't need to. I can cut it right at the root right here. The basics. And, sure, and, and they're trained to argue with us. Yes. You know, they're trained to argue the stuff. But... Oh, weekly. But they're only being taught what their superiors allow them to be taught. They're not allowed to interpret the scripture on their own. They're only the man, the priest, or whoever, their pastor, the, the certain appointed person can rightly divide the word and interpret it to the people. So you're getting all your source from one man. Does that sound familiar? I mean, we, we've we've heard we've seen this pattern before. I think. So to make matters worse, let's go to Deuteronomy 13, verse one. Deuteronomy 13, verse one. Thirteen, verse one. Are we all there? <coughs> Sorry, I was daydreaming. All right, so if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder... And that sign or wonder com comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known. Let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and his commandments and obey his voice, so yada yada, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But the prophet 
or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from, a, from the way in which the Lord commanded you to walk so that you shall put away the evil from your midst. This stuck out for, with me because, you know, it's, it's funny. The Lord allowed them to do that, allowed them to test their hearts. See, we'll be, we get tested. We get tested. I've been through a lot of tests, tests that hurt, and tests that I failed. Round the mountain, I've been around the mountain with a lot of things. But... This person who, you know, was trying to put it into Christianity and start his own system, he's leading people astray. So, therefore, this, the guy that's the founder of their system, according to the law, should be put to death. <laughs> so, I'm good. I don't need that. You know, not growing up in church, I, I you know, I could have fell either way on that. You know, what makes me real mean is once they got their hooks in you, it's really hard to get them out. Yes. I have friends that, I have a friend in particular that, you know, she was crying out to God for help one day, and one of those guys knocked at the door. You know what I mean? And she became a Jehovah's Witness from that point on because that's who showed up. So, and then when you talk to them, try to tell them the truth, they're not listening to nothing because of that one moment that they hold on to. But even if the, even when it was that way for me, I never took people's word for it. God, you want me to believe in you? You're going to have to show me you without them. You're going to have to reveal yourself to me without them. And I remember testing the Lord on that. Lord, you're going to have to show me you're real. You know, if you're, because like when I was in witchcraft and stuff, I learned real quick Satan was real. I learned real quick that the, the forces of darkness were real. So if they're real, it means God's real. Well, Lord, hey, wait up. I need you to show me. So I... I don't know, man. That's that's crazy stuff. But like I said, when I when I met him, I, I, it was a peace I ain't never known. And even to this day, let the peace of God rule your heart. So, but wouldn't you believe? Now, all this I've you know come across over the years, but I've always known these scriptures. And these are the scriptures that kept me from getting into other systems that were a part of my house, a part of growing up. You know what I mean? So for me, that, that was it. How did I wind up here? How did I, I mean, because I'm not a, how, how would you say? I'm not... Not like really a non-denominational, but I'm a follower of Christ. I'm not AG. I'm not 
non-denominational, I'm not Pentecostal. Yeah, I'm not none of that stuff. I just follow Jesus. And if I want to follow Jesus, it's all there in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what I need. But because I trust him and through this, he's given me magnificent people to help raise me up too. You know, so Dan, Karen, Pastor Darlene, Jeremy, Catherine, you guys have been vital to my growth. When I came here to this church, I was a broken person, broken by church. I allowed myself to get wounded by church because of the lack of my maturity. So I don't blame nobody that hurt me. You know, I blamed it was lack of maturity on my part. I got chewed up and spit out. But I don't blame them. I love them. But as I was going through it, I didn't so much. But it was, it was kind of rough. It hurt, you know. But, you know, it was funny because when I moved here in 96, on my 19th birthday, which now would be, what, 23 years since I've been here, I, um, I decided to run from God. And this is where I learned that Psalms, where he says, where can I go that you're not there? I learned that. Where can I go? Because he was always in my head. It probably didn't help that I live across the street from this church where people were like praying and stuff because, you know, I was bugging me over there. <laughs> but just kidding. But, you know, it's, it's funny because I moved out here to get my life together, but I just immediately dove right back into the same old stuff, just lacking crystal meth. Back then, nobody knew what it was, which was great. But I, I did what I said I'd never do, became an alcoholic. I, um, you know, got real heavy into drinking and ultimately got me arrested and all kinds of crazy drama. But, but in, that, in that period is where I met my wife. And uh, I don't know how that even happened. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a fresh L.A. boy right off the streets getting snatched up by an Ohio woman. You know? I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. I was just a dumb kid. But uh, no, all serious, though. When, uh, when we had met and we got married and, and I was, I didn't know the first thing about love. I never knew what a relationship was. I never knew what love was. Never had a good example in my life. So for me, it was get all that I can because that's the way I was taught. You know, dad said, if it feels good, do it. That's all I knew. So when I got married, it all changed, you know, and I didn't realize what I was doing. And, uh, three months into our marriage, we had split up and uh, I moved out, moved in with a another girl and all other stuff and it was really bad that was a that was a season of hell but in the midst of that <clears throat> the lord was there showing me where i needed to be and three months into that i finally just kind of came to my senses if you will and when i went i went home and i came home and me and laura had a talk and it was funny because i never talk to anybody about what I had been through you know never it was always a secret it was always you know there was only a handful of us kids that knew what was going on and nobody spoke of it 
we all we got so used to denying it and building that wall that you know I mean I didn't know how to come out of it so <laughs> she was funny she I come home it's official I'm home and uh so she sits there and she looks at me all crazy and Laura's yeah you guys know <clears throat> Laura you know what I mean was like all right she starts moving furniture out of the way and I'm like what are you doing and she starts taking off her earrings, starts taking off her jewelry. And I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? She's like, oh, we gonna fight. We fight. And I was just like, because what had happened, she was like, I want to know everything. Do you want to know everything? Here it is. And I went from point A all the way up to that moment. She was stunned. <laughs> but her response was moving furniture out of the way and taking off her earrings. And we went at it. I was like, one of us is going to hear it ain't going to be me. So, you know, just I'll hang on. I'll do what I got to do. And she come flying at me, man. We, Dude, she's so strong, too, man. She picked me up. I was like 130 pounds. She picked me up, slammed me down like I was nothing. Like just some folded laundry, just bam. And then she, yeah. So she, she got hers. She, she got what she needed. But after we had been back together for a while and things were finally settled down, I had got sick and um, went through, I realized I'd become allergic to cigarettes and dogs and alcohol. The three, the combination of the three would kill me. So, and I was drinking, smoking and had Huskies, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was like deadly combination. So one day, man, I was, I was at work and my uh, I had upper respiratory failure, so my lungs shut down, heart was shutting down, and and I couldn't breathe. All I could do was, <gasps> you know, and I was like trying to hold the door open so you can get the pins in it, and I was pal, I was blacking out, <laughs> you know, like I gotta go, man. And before that, I used to smoke weed at work with all the guys, and I would always listen to like Chuck Swindoll. You know, our preachers, because it was 12 o'clock and all the preachers were on. So I used to sit there and get high listening to preachers. And they used to make everybody real uncomfortable. I was like, oh, dude, check this guy out, man. He's great. Oh, he's wonderful, you know. And they'd be like, uh, dude. And I was the only one, like, oblivious to it, you know. <clears throat> to show you, kind of give you a picture of where my heart was, you know. Where I figured, and at that time, I, I figured if I could barter with God, I'll give you all this, just let me have this. I'll give you all this, just let me have that. But that didn't work. He wanted it all. So I'm on my way to the hospital. And that it was during that time where, you know, Chuck, I think Chuck Swindoll was on or whatever. But he had said, you know, I'm not going to do our normal program today. I got a lady that works in our office, that, and I really want her to share her testimony. When this girl was giving her testimony, I broke. Something broke. I just, I mean, the dam was broke. I was bawling. You know, I couldn't see where I was going. Winded up driving past the hospital, you know, because I was on my way to the hospital. I was like, man, dude, this girl's life was like, I knew what she was going through. And it was, the Holy Spirit was just, boom. That was, that was my visitation right there. So I get to the hospital, man. I said, I, mean, I can't breathe. I'm like passing out. But I, I was like, I wanted to hear the rest of this girl's testimony. So I sat in the parking lot, like nodding off. 
you know, just listening to this girl. I get to the hospital, I go inside, I register, sign up, and, uh, you know, I went and sat down, and I went and reached and grabbed a magazine or something, and as I looked at it, it said, are you lost in the wilderness? I started shaking real bad. I was like, because I knew the Lord was present. That same spirit that I met on that first day was there in that hospital room right then and there, and I was freaking out. So after several hours of treatments and everything, I was released and I went home. And I had quit smoking cigarettes because I didn't have a choice. And uh, so while I was doing that, I was still smoking weed and doing everything else. But Cinco de Mayo, 2001, I decided I was done running from God. And when I went into, uh, we, uh, there was actually there's a band that I was playing with. And they were playing at Don Pablo's on the river. It was a Saturday, Cinco de Mayo. Every, there was like supposed to be this real big party, things and all that stuff. I was like, yeah. First time me and Laura got a chance to get out, you know, since we had been back together. We got a babysitter for the kids. And I was like, yeah, sounds good. So we get there, man. Man, that was bad. I had a beer in one hand, shot of tequila in the other. And the beer was flat. Tequila was watered down. The bands were awful. There was hardly anybody there. It was just a miserable mess. And I just kind of, it was all of a sudden I could see the whole picture. You know, and I heard the Lord speak. Surely I have more for you than this. <sighs> okay. Now, at that time, I had no idea of Laura's, you know, I mean, background. You know, her religious background or whatever. I had no idea. All I knew was like, oh. But I had already been secretly spying this church out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, as I looked at her, and the next morning was Sunday. I said, hey, uh, we're going to church tomorrow. And she was like, what? I'll never forget that, that reaction. She was like, what? Because I didn't know she had, had it forced down her throat her whole life. So she wanted nothing to do with that. And immediately the Lord said, you let me deal with her. You come. Okay. So that day, I went... You know, that old Pastor Dale was preaching, and I was like, and I, my heart's racing. As soon as I went in, I knew what I was going to do that day. I was, it was just all over me. And then uh, I got it, you know, before he's like, he's getting ready to do the altar call. Before he could even really get into speaking it, I was already like up and heading to the altar. And like the whole place like erupted, you know, praise. And it was crazy. And I remember hitting my knees, and I could hear the church going crazy. But I, for, I thought for sure I was here in like a, a balcony level, like an upper level. I even like looked back a couple times like there's nothing there. You know, until I read in the scripture, when we get saved, the angels rejoice. I was hearing them. I was just like, cause I kept looking back like, what the heck? And I was such a mess that day. It was so great. But before I left the church or left to go to church that day, I had some pot plants growing in my house. Beautiful beautiful plants and um, I checked on them did my normal routine they were great go to church praise the Lord come back they're completely dead oh, and that's what I was worried about the most because for me man I've been smoking pot since I was six so I did not know life without marijuana so I was like Lord I mean, I tried everything, Lord. I'll give it all up. Just let me have some weed. I'll be all right. You know what I mean? I'll just take some weed. It'll be cool. You can have all the rest of the stuff. I just want some, you know. For years, I did that. 
You know, it was one of the reasons why I didn't fully surrender to God. Music and weed. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was the two major hangups. So when I came home, man, and I checked on my plants and they were dead, I knew it was over. I knew it. I was just like, this is the hand of the Lord. I was just like, okay, that's it. Very good. And it was like, no, there was nothing in me that like, oh, I got to have it. It was like, it was broke instantly. So the rest is history.